Hey guys, it is Lori here. Hey, I want to let you know that for the month of June, we have a buy one, get one free going on for that Journey Well study. Don't know what it is? Go to lorikrieg.com, click on the shop page, and you can find out more. It's a devotional that people are doing all around the world, which is pretty incredible. Uh, it's for yourself or to do in a mentorship pair or a small group. Right now, it's buy one, get one free for the month of June. So go hit that deal up. Thanks, guys. Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 128, Engaging Today's Suffering with Hope. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Lori Krieg, and I am sadly not with my favorite licensed therapist, Argyle expert, and my husband, Matt Krieg. I left him with the girls, and no joke, I left him with a $5 mermaid cake that was mostly blue dye. (laughs) But, and they were in mermaid dresses, so... God bless you, Matt. Uh, But he's with them so that I can do this. But I do have in the studio, because we're back in the studio, uh, the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, I am so glad to see your face. Yeah. And I am really excited to see the faces on our first, this is actually our first video one. We actually recorded some that oh, were for oh, the future that we said was our first, but this now is our first uh, <laughs> video, but we have Sam and Tony Collier. I said that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I, had I known that, that this was video, I would have put my makeup on. <laughs> okay. No, he doesn't. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so excited to be here. We yeah. are so glad to have you. But if you guys, if you don't know these guys, uh, first of all, go follow them on all the socials because they're blowing it up. Uh, but they are new friends to me. And Sam specifically is a pastor, speaker, writer, and host of A Greater Story with Sam Collier TV show. And it's a radio podcast. We love podcasters. In addition to many other accomplishments, which they are many, I had to cut it at some point. I was like, oh my goodness. But he is a speaker at North North Point Ministries with Andy Stanley and just wrote a book that I read in one day. Yes, I did read it yesterday. Sorry, kids, for all the Netflix. Um, but it's called, I just, I am a fast reader, but I also was like, this is so good. It's so story driven and beautiful. But that book is called A Greater Story, My Rescue, Your Purpose, and Our Place in God's Plan. Tony, Sam's wife, which I felt a little bad saying that, but you are. I just was like, she's so much more. Okay, good. It's my favorite title. She is so much more. (laughs) It's my favorite title. Well, good. I love it. But in addition to being Sam's wife, she has a degree in business logistics and entrepreneurship and has used her gifting to help ministries, leaders, and nonprofits in areas of student ministry, creative marketing, leadership, innovation, strategic planning, and diversity and inclusion, including, this is one I love, you guys need to follow this too, as the founder of a woman's ministry brand called Broken Crayons Still Color. Just think about it for a hot second, guys. Hmm. It's really, it's profound. You get it in the title. It's it was very clever, uh, but it helps to re-inspire confidence in your own potential. Sam and Tony live in Atlanta, Georgia with their daughter, Dylan. Oh, man, so much. I already have 10 trillion questions, but we're going to ask one that's a little off the page because this is something that we do here because uh, it can get very serious when you're talking about the gritty gospel good news, which is awesome. And we need to go there. Yeah. But we like to take it a little lighter for a hot second, and we ask the question of the week from last week, which, listeners, you're going to notice last week's question is not this week's answer. You're actually going to hear us pitch this question in episode 130. Forgive us. We're going back in time and forward in time, and I don't know. Here is that question. It is, what is one of your more embarrassing moments? Tony? Sam, which one wants to start? Like in life? In life. Yeah. (laughs) That's hard. But okay. So my most embarrassing one in life is actually in ministry. I will say that. Um, Started off as a youth pastor. Thought I was too hot. I was like, yeah, I'm going to crush it. I'm killing it. Um, And I did one of my first messages when I kind of took the mantle of student ministry um, from my mentor that came before me. And I did this message on teamwork. And I decided to start the message off with having a group of students play Red Rover. For those of you that don't know what that is, it is an aggressive game where two teams line up facing each other, locking arms, and they call someone from the opposite side to run through or attempt to run through their hands. Um, Long story short, 
I had a kid get clotheslined right there at the top of my message. He ran out of the student ministry room and I've never seen him and his mom again. And it ruined the rest of my message. And I didn't know what to do. I was awkward for sure. (laughs) Oh no. Oh, that's such a rough gig though. Oh yeah. Bad. Is it my turn? It's yours. Yeah. Wow. I would, I don't know if this is my most embarrassing moment. I don't, I have a, I have trouble figuring out the one that wins the first prize, but I will say an embarrassing moment for me was when I was doing a Chick-fil-A tour and this was the last tour we were. So, so this, before I started doing everything I'm doing now, um, I used to do a lot of hosting with different organizations and what, what people may not know about really big, uh, fast food chains is that when they introduce a new item, they have to now do like tours around the country and get all the owners and the staff and all that together to introduce the new sausage biscuit, right? Or the <laughs> yes, new, that's good. or the I new egg that. sandwich or the new, oh, the new ordering service, whatever okay. you do. And so we, I had done 12 cities with Chick-fil-A as they were introducing I think it was, I think it was the biscuit. new sausage biscuit sausage with, with biscuit. cheese with the cheese <laughs> and, egg. and egg. And so this was my final one. And so I said, you know what? This is my 12th one. We're in the hotel. We're with the team. I want to really do this. I'm, I'm going out with a bang. That's good. So I got up early around seven and I said, I'm going to get really clean. Now I always got clean on the road, yeah, but I said on this day, yeah, I want to be so clean. I want, I want to be so clean that when I walk in, they smell me from the door. That's good. I like that. And so I got in the shower. She's laughing. I got in the shower and I looked around for the soap. I said, they have like three bottles of body wash. You know, the little tiny ones? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the hotel. I love that. I got all three and I used all three of the body washes at one time. I said, this is the moment. Yeah. As I was lathering up, I slipped a little. I said, uh-oh. And I said, okay, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I kept going. And all I remember is my feet flew up in the air. I came down and my knee bust open. (laughs) (laughs) And you probably And so I was like, oh, my gosh. I had to get out of the shower. Anyway, I went to the hospital. It's a long story. I got it cleaned up. And people started asking me what happened. I said, I used too much body wash. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a cartoon. Yeah. It's like a, literally a cartoon. <laughs> I honestly was laughing at Tony's commentary as well. Like that was what was getting me. Yeah. I was so in. Yeah. It was amazing. Come on, come on. Oh, man. Too much body work. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Steve? Uh, well, I'm, I've got so many personally that I could share, but I really liked this one um, that one of our listeners shared on Facebook. My name is Michelle. I'm calling from Bellevue, Washington. And in regards to the question this week, here is my story. I was in high school and like a prideful idiot, I was showing some of my friends a cool kick I had learned in Taekwondo. Well, I didn't realize that there was gravel under my feet. And as I was demonstrating the kick, I slipped on the gravel. I fell flat on my butt and my pride was hurt. That was embarrassing. Thankfully, there wasn't cell phones back then. Otherwise, it would have been recorded yes definitely <laughs> these days that would be going viral right now exactly yeah. Yeah, you know it <laughs> yeah i really appreciated this one i was standing by organic fruits and nuts in a grocery store one day and i felt the need to pass some gas so i did the little token look around make sure nobody's around me and i let it rip it was pretty loud not stinky All of a sudden, this guy pops up from behind me, and he goes, holy cow, I hope you feel better. We continued on our shopping trip, and pretty much every aisle I was in, he was in. That's probably one of my most embarrassing moments. Yeah, wow. Thank you, Becky, for sharing that. Get that one out. Come on, girl. Sometimes you got to get it out. You can't let that stuff back up. Okay, has anyone thought... Is it just me that you're like, everyone's got their masks on. Can I, am I just safe here? Isn't everywhere safe now? I didn't think about that, but that was good. Are you saying you pass gas with your mask? (laughs) Have I, when I traveled last week to Seattle, when I was in a very long (laughs) airport moment, (laughs) I did, I did. did. And now this is my new embarrassing moment. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That was a good one. Thank you. I was sharp. 
Thank you. Uh, no, I that, thank you. That was Becky on Facebook. If you guys want to join the Hole in My Heart podcast uh, group, you can do that. Just find it on Facebook. And I got to answer a couple questions and I let you in. Uh, but one of my more embarrassing moments is I'm one of 12 kids. So I have 11 brothers and sisters and all single birth. We all look similar. And my dad, who was a judge, Judge, judge Heckman, he's just like, we go into a room and he's like, here we are. He doesn't, never, ever does he get embarrassed. And so were we about 45 minutes late walking into a mega church where we were new? We sure were because mm-hmm. there's 12 kids. So yeah. my dad, though, he's looking, he's like, no, we're not going to split up and find seats. We're going to sit together. But where oh. are we going to sit, dad? Oh, he sees room way up in the front. Mm. Sure, the pastor's speaking now. In the choir loft. That's right. We single file. (laughs) The pastor stopped his sermon and looked at us. And we, like ducks, single file walked into the choir choir loft. The pastor later told my dad, he's like, I thought you guys were going to start singing. Because we are also that family that sings. So look out. So look out. I'm about to hit a note. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Thank you for letting us uh, hear that and for some of us letting off a little gas. Okay. <laughs> but we're going to take a sharp pivot and we're going to go ease into you guys' story uh, by talking about the gospel. And I mentioned this before we hit record that we ask every guest or set of guests these set of questions, which is, if the gospel is, I'm more loved than I imagine. Yet more sinful than I believe. When was that gospel first good news for you? And how is it still today? Mm. Whoever feels that chirotic moment <laughs> can go first. Yeah. I mean, it was 16 for me. Yeah. Dad was a pastor growing up, hated church. It was a small church, about 20 members on Easter. <laughs> and I just didn't get it. It was old school. Loved my dad, but, you know, I was a kid. And um, so over the years was living two different lifestyles in terms of just, you know, being good with my family, but, you know, messing with girls on the low, you know, just doing crazy stuff that you do when you grow up on hip hop and R&B. And so around 16 came to a head and I just realized, and I think, you know, you talked about reading the book. You know, some of that is in the book, just a, a, this culminating moment when I'm 16 and, you know, uh, I get suspended from school. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? They were making an example out of me. I didn't kill anybody. And I think after, you know, after that moment, you know, I just went in my room and I said, God, I've been living my way long enough, yeah. messing with the girls, all these things. I want to give you my life. And um, I gave him my life in my room um, without a praise team or a choir or a band. Mm. And uh, just said the what you call it, the sinner's prayer, if you will, I love that. salvation, mm-hmm. and uh, came on in. That's beautiful, um, man. I wish mine happened at sixteen, but I was twerking at sixteen, <laughs> so um, mine happened a little later. Um, I can distinctly remember twenty-one years old. I had moved from Texas to Atlanta, um, unsaved. Had joined this church and started volunteering in the youth ministry. And um, we had this worship night and I'd been volunteering with the church and I did the student lock-ins and all the different things. I helped coordinate all the events for youth. And I go to the altar and I close my eyes and I just start thinking about my entire story. I think about my mom getting sick and the third grade, having a massive stroke and our entire family being torn apart. We had a blended family and my brother was going to live with their mothers and my mom being, you know, paralyzed and taking care of her, losing my virginity at 13, seeking validation because I had a dad who was present, but not present and really verbally abusive and going to alcohol and weed and being sexually manipulated in high school. And I literally just like, I don't know, got into this moment with God where I'm thinking about every drunk night that I made it home and didn't know how, every little detail. And I just broke down because I think for the first time, I recognized that 
God is like, God is, is, and was, and will always be in my broken with me. Mm. And that there was still hope in the middle of that. Mm. Um, and I opened my eyes and there's this little girl, cause I'm weeping all my little mascaras everywhere. <laughs> and this little girl that I never knew before, she's just holding me. And it's almost as if like God was reminding me in that moment that he has this sweet, beautiful, gentle love for us. Mm. Um, and he's still there. Love so it. yeah, it was my moment. So the second part of that question, which kind of feeds into my first question is like, how are you doing now? How do you guys still need the good news of the gospel today? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think right now we're in a defining moment in our country yeah. and in America um, in which black and brown people all around the globe really are now rising up against um, deep-seated um, generational or generationally passed down, right, uh, through institutions and systems, uh, racism and uh, prejudice and, and all of the alike. And so I think for us, you know, in this day, you know, I was talking to somebody about this recently, and I was just saying, you know, you, you, when you grow up Black in America, you... If you if you succeed at all, right? If you're able to to make it through the ranks and you're able to you know succeed at least a little, then you learn how to deal with the inherent racist systems that are already in place, and they start to become normal to you. Um, not that you accept them, but you just build a way to get around them yeah. so they don't impact you. And so um, I think for me, you know, just being where I am even now, it's it's now um, having the Holy Spirit, needing the Holy Spirit to comfort me uh, and to show me the way mm -hmm. and to remind me even of the some of the injustices um, and some of the limitations that we were able to overcome, reminding me that they are still there for some of us and for so many others mm -hmm. and how we, you know, and, and, and helping us fight the injustice, giving us the ability to make it through. Mm -hmm. I know for me, especially right now, it's back to back to back to back to back interview yeah. and, um, you know, posting on social media. You, you spoke about our socials. I mean, we have, we have energy on social, but this week we have a lot of energy on social media. We haven't had this much energy in a while. And it really was a choice between, you know, safety and it really, I, I guess, uh, love speaking up for the things um, that need to be spoken up for that yeah. God would be leading us to. So needing God and his strength uh, to continue to stand up um, in a world where maybe you are a little bit more afraid to because of the circles you run in. Yeah. So for me, I think today that's what's on my mind the most. Yeah, yeah. so good. So good. I think, you know, obviously we're in the same household. We do some work together, like moments like this. And um, a lot of what we do impacts us in very similar ways. I would say for me, it's been interesting to process this idea that I preach from stages and talk about all the time to women in their brokenness. And it's that hurt and hope can coexist. And I mean, that's what we're seeing right now in our nation. We're seeing the friendships that we have built with people that are different than us. We are seeing some environments that are multicultural that have actually accepted and pursued diversity. But then we're also sitting in the hurt that everyone isn't there yet. We're sitting in the hurt that people are still dying and being killed. And we're trying to ride that beautiful and perfect balance of hurt and hope. And so I think that's where I'm at, riding mm -hmm. that balance, being hopeful, um, but hurting too and allowing myself to hurt. I want to circle back to that word hope and I intentionally put it into the title. And I think it's just interesting that we're having this conversation right now because that's the word the spirit has brought up in me throughout, mm. you know, Corona, but even before that, our world was so divided. And then it, yeah. I, it just mm. came to my attention where it's like, we have this God of all hope. So I want to go back there because it's such a word that grates on me right now. Cause I'm like, I know we're supposed to live with hope God. And I, yeah. You know, maybe we'll just go there now. We're going to go there right in a second. No, it's, good. Uh, right now. Because, no, we'll go. because I, it grates on me because I'm like, 
I know we're supposed to be people of love, joy, and peace. And I'm not a, I'm not a faker. <laughs> I don't think that you guys are either, like in the sense that I'm like, oh, let's just duct tape nice Christianity. Like I, I lived that life for a while. Then I got real brutally honest. But I'm like, I recognize we're supposed to live in this hope. Mm. And I honestly, my, my perspective is that's the only way we're going to show the world what true Christ following looks like is if we have love, joy, hope, peace in the midst of this insanity. So for you guys, how are you reaching for that hope? Like, how do you live in that tension of both sorrow and hope right now? Yeah. Wow. I, um, the scripture says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so I think it's impossible to pursue justice without hope, in my opinion, um, depending on who's listening. Um, I think it's impossible to, to live the Christian life without hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, again, it, it does make the heart sick. And it, it doesn't, ma- doesn't matter if it's just a little bit of hope yeah. or a lot of bit of hope. Yeah. It's got to be at least a sliver of hope that I think is in with, within all of us to help us continue. And I think for me, you know, on a very tangible level, specifically around where we are in America right now, um, and as we um, are um, uh, doing all we can to move the country forward, and as it is, can I say it? And as it is moving forward and changing before our very eyes, I would say that for me, um, it is remembering and spending time with my white brothers and sisters that I was friends with before we got into this um, elevated pandemic, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, of, of black and brown people and, and the war on racism that just you know exploded um, during the, in, in the midst of COVID-19. Um, I, I spend time on the phone with them mm-hmm. because it reminds me that not everybody is the same mm-hmm. and that there are white people that exist that don't have racism within them, that have eradicated it and want to do all they can to help us live our best life. Yeah. Can I say something? Well, I just wanted to ask when you're picturing hope, because that's what like I want in my mind is I'm like, okay, so in Matthew five, you know, Jesus prayer and the sermon in the Mount that he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. So in some sense, I'm like, when I'm hoping, am I envisioning heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, or am I envisioning like that already? Not yet. Like, am I wanting, am I hoping for, I guess, kind of what you're articulating right now, like this, where brothers of every race and creed can come, you know, in unity, like what, what should I be picturing when I hope or what are you picturing when you hope? Wow. I think for me, it is, you know, when we talk about this, you know, the idea that the kingdom is at hand, right? Yeah. Jesus comes on the scene and he said, the kingdom is at hand, right? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, what you start to see after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and then the apostles come and then we're kind of, you know, we are where we are today, is you start to have moments. I love it. You start to have moments and spaces in life where you can see where the kingdom has come. Mm-hmm. In certain moments, right, yep. uh, where you see joy happening here, and you see love, and you see unity, and you see forgiveness, and you see light, mm-hmm. and then at the same time you see darkness. And so I try to grab a hold to those, um, those, those small little pockets of the kingdom that have come in a manifested way mm-hmm. in, in the way that we live now. I mean, one of the things that we hope for, right, ultimately, that that is the that is the 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 root of all hope is that Jesus is coming back and he's going to solve everything and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and so on and so forth that, you know, we get excited about that, the kingdom fully coming and, you know, throughout all humanity and um, this world being made new. Um, But in the moments um, that we're living in now, it's, I, I, I I try to grab a hold to those small little, you know, quivers of, you know, there's God. Mm. And that means that he's working. Yeah. I think for me, what's been so sweet honestly is seeing children wow um we have a five-year-old strong-willed blessing okay i feel you got three-year-old version that's Mm -hmm. what i'm saying um and it i mean it's that childlike faith 
it's that wonder and awe that, I don't know, I think God just does something special through. It's being able to see my daughter and her friends of every belief and color playing with no restriction together, loving with no restriction um, because they haven't yet learned it. Um, I just, I, I don't know, I'm looking forward to an adult innocence and wonder. Mm. Um, mm. I don't know, I think that could be cool. Yeah, beautiful. So I guess just to piggyback on that, Tony, when you say hurt and hope can coexist, how does yeah. that look in a day for you? How does that look today for you? Yeah, I love that. Um, for me, I, so I, I, I literally thrive off of vulnerability. I love it. And I, I'm so much so I have to watch myself in moments when people are uncomfortable to share how they feel or to really come like, just say it, get it all out. Um, for you. me, that's, that's journaling in the morning. I like to get brutally honest with myself. Where am I today? Where was I yesterday? Where were some moments yesterday that I knew I maybe shouldn't have done or thought or reacted? Um, and I get really brutally honest with myself first, um, because of course, I mean, you take you with you into your days. Um, and then I have my circle of people. Um, after I journal, I figure out where I am and who I need to talk to for the day and how I need to process some of the hurt. Um, but then of course, in my journaling time, for me as a Christian woman, I, I literally just listen to the voice of God. I mean, that's that tangible impression on the heart, um, hope infused into my life that I need. Um, but then of course, it's not just in the spiritual, I don't think. For me personally, hope could look like a latte. Like being able, having the privilege to have money, to go buy a latte in the morning and celebrating those very small, tangible pieces of hope in my day. Um, so yeah, it's, it's seeing that the beauty in life and what we have, it's gratitude. It's all that mixed up together. Mm. I love that. Okay. Sam, you wrote this book again that I alluded to in that I read in a day, uh, <laughs> which it was like a night and like a morning. So it wasn't like a well, you know, whatever. Uh, but it was so good. And I really appreciated, you know, just the simple of just it's the, the greater story. Where's your story in the greater story, which is kind of it's the message of your life. And that's the message of all of our lives. And so you walked us through your story. And um, is there anything I just couldn't help but want to ask, like knowing this beautiful, terrible that we're in right now as a nation, uh, would you, was there anything you would have changed or added, or is there something like that you would want to like highlight now? Or I don't know, like we, we just finished our manuscripts. So I'm like, I don't know what it's going to be like in November. Um, right. but so is there anything you're like, oh, I wish I would have, I didn't think it needed to be changed. But I just didn't know your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's, I probably won't know until a month from now hmm. because I think I want to feel the climate of America, but I think, you know, it would have been great to include uh, much more, uh, um, much more of the 2020 narrative around where we are in mm -hmm. the beginning. Um, even though we wrestle with, you know, heartache and hardship and, you know, all of that within the, within the manuscript, um, I, I would have loved, and I mean, well, I mean, we, we, we talked about race and all that. I mean, but I you think did. I would have loved to, um, to maybe underscore it a little bit more with, I mean, right. Everything after COVID-19 is going to be written differently. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it's it like, is. you're going to include it in. Um, and it's, it, you know, just because it's, you know, it's like it's similar to when the Twin Towers, right, went down. It's after 9 11, you, you, I mean, you had you, nothing was written the same. Yeah. And so um, I think I would have loved to include that within the piece. However, I mean, I think the way it is now, you know, it does, it's a snapshot and a screenshot of a life lived and that's gone through ups and downs. I mean, and as long as we live, we're going to have ups and downs. You know, we're going to have pandemics. We're going to have moments. We're going to have, you know, so I'm, I'm excited. I think I, I think I, I think I'm still satisfied with, uh, with what we were able to deliver in the piece. Yeah. Here's what I'll say just as little old me is reading it in the midst of my own like grief and the prayer that my husband and I, who we're, we try, we're trying, like we're people who are really trying to lean into this conversation as well as other hard conversations. We don't run from them. 
But the prayer he prayed last week was, uh, search my heart and know me, God, and point out areas of any areas of pride in me. And so I think when I, when I look in my own life and in my own heart, uh, like specifically what he said is point out any areas of white privilege in me. And so Mm. we've just been searching our hearts. And um, so I've been carrying that here while listening here to you guys and others. And then I was reading your book and I will say your book was, was a breath of fresh air. Mm. So I don't think you need to change anything. I just was honestly <laughs> curious. I, to me, it, because it, it was, it, you weren't, and I don't want to say like heavy handed, like that would have been wrong. It just was like, you acknowledge the culture you grew up in. That was beautiful. You acknowledge some of the suffering, but it was so like, I think there's going to be longevity to it because it's so for now and, and in the future, but it was, it was just your beautiful story. And it, it spoke to me. I kept highlighting things. So I'm just going to say it was hopeful for me and a breath of fresh air and very relevant to right now. So that's coming from me. <laughs> Thank you so much. I mean, that, I mean, that's, I've only, I only know two people that have read the book really? because we've not, we've not sent it out. You know, you're the second yeah. And the well, first is like it. my publisher. Right. <laughs> so um, I think just hearing your reaction to it before, I mean, we it comes out in, I think, two months or yeah, yeah August, August, August 4. Yep. And so just to get that early reaction, you know, if you if you're listening, go pre-order the book now, right. please, now, please. I will tell you, please, guys, go do it. Our yes. listeners are good book buyers. I know them. <laughs> so Listen, know it them. would be great if you get a lot of people don't think that pre-orders help, but they really do help with the overall Amazon stuff and helping to get the book out. Pre-orders kind of let the publishers know and all the book audiences and the, you know, offices know that, hey, this is something that you should pay attention to. So it would be great if you get it. But I think that was, you know, that that was the goal. It was to, you know, and, and for me, I... You know, writing it, I said, this nobody wants to hear my where I can, you know, that, my yeah. story. Writing your story. You know, yeah. my the ins and the outs. I, you know, besides we know that it opens with a Steve Harvey moment, which we we, we you know, we'll leave it to uh, kind of suspicion for people to kind of jump in, the moment with Steve Harvey. Um, but then besides that, you're like, nobody else is gonna care about anything else that happened, you know. So it's 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 great to um and and honoring and humbling to hear you say that about the piece. It is worth everyone's time and it is exactly appropriate and like I said a breath of fresh air and hope it really speaks to the theme of what we're talking about today wow okay so one of the main focuses of our ministry is we love to highlight the gospel metaphor of marriage and so for single listeners which we got a bunch of them who are listening in their 20s 30s 40s however you're I just did a, a talk, a sermon, whatever I'm allowed to do. Sorry. <laughs> um, out in Seattle. And the theme, the, the moral of the story is, it, I said, joyfully live into your marriage metaphor. Single people, we want to see you love Jesus and show us what eternity is going to be like in faithful community with your church siblings and married to Jesus. And for those of you who are married, we want to see you guys model for us how Christ loves the church in your difference. Show us how Jesus loves us. Joyfully live into that marriage metaphor. So I'm so glad you guys are already like, I see it. You see it. So I guess I'm just curious, how does your marriage uniquely show us both the challenge of being one with God that's hard. Uh, and also Dude. the beauty of that. Like, how would you guys say you're unique? There's unique pieces to your marriage. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, I would say I have a story of redemption when it comes to our marriage. Mm. Um, I, okay. I was married um, and moved to Atlanta from Texas um, in 19. Unsaved, twerking. <laughs> Uh, um, real wild. And Come on, you still twerk for me, girl. Come on. <laughs> okay. Only for me. Okay. Stop. Yes. Right. We were talking about farting already, so I figured. Yeah, we're it was, already there. I guess it's appropriate. We're already there. Right. <laughs> so it was married before, and it was an extremely toxic situation. Lots of abuse there. Um, poverty. Mm. 
it was hard. hard. And um, I walked out for me and my daughter uh, for our safety in so many ways and our health. And um, I just, I thought that was it for me. Wow. I got us an apartment and started working for a little job and thought ministry life was over for me as well. And literally stumbled upon Sam at a church plant meeting where he does, he did what he does now, which is connect people, help people get connected to ministries um, and help me get connected to a ministry. And we looked up and redemption came through him. Mm -hmm. And I even remember having a moment about a year and a half into us being together, thinking like, oh, this is what like love looks like. Oh, this is what it looks like for someone to care for you deeply and sacrifice it all for you. And it was redeeming for me. And now I get to help women process through their divorces and, um, really give them hope that redemption and love is still available for them. Mm. And God shows up for me through Sam Mm. every day. So I just wrote down phrases and I want to hear your perspective, Sam, but like someone who cares deeply for you and sacrifices Mm. all for you. I think so many times we forget the metaphor of marriage and we just look at the Hallmark movie of marriage or whatever, Disney. So when I hear that, we could go, oh, which it is, oh, but it's also God sacrificed all for me. And Mm. even when I was in my worst state, he comes for me. Yeah. So that I just I want to get us in the practice of looking through our marriages to God who's marrying us. Mm. How about you, Sam? Wow. I think you know, during that first year, you know, they always say the first year is the hardest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not for everybody, but for, we've heard that a lot, you know, people like, man, I almost didn't make it through that first year, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I think for us, first year was, the first year was difficult for sure. And I remember, you know, you go through things where, especially when you get married, cause you, you, you're trying to, you know, people don't tell you what they should, you know, people don't tell you everything they should tell real. you. They don't really get real. So you find yourself with this fairy tale version of marriage in your head. And then you, and then you realize, oh, wait, this was like a commitment mm. and, you know, for forever. And you're like, dang, okay. Did I, did I really, you know, it was like, yeah, oh, I got to grow up. And so yeah. as you're in there, you know, I remember, I remember us having a moment and I called one of my mentors. I was like, man, I just don't know. Like I'm, we fighting, we doing this, you know, which most married couples do that first year. And, um, and he said, well, I just want to tell you that marriage is a picture of Christ's of how Christ loves the church. He said, it's supposed to be a picture to the world of what the relationship between Christ and the church, which is us, looks like. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I just, and you know, do you, would Christ ever give up on you? Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, get off my phone. <laughs> I'm hanging out. I'm not talking to, but it was, it was, I never, never happened. I never, way. nobody never really told that to me that way you know i knew that marriage was a commitment yeah but it no one had connected it you know metaphorically to to it being a picture for the world of this is what it looks like to be unconditionally loved in spite of your imperfection on both sides and so i think when you talk about the idea of joy and pain right um and what that and what that means for you know God is like, oh my God, it is, it is everything that God is, right? I mean, he, he loves us through, you know, if we're in the old Testament through the pain that we could have caused him under the old, you know, under the, under the law, but in the new Testament, you know, Jesus comes and cleanses everything, but he loves us through, through our brokenness and through our, you know, betrayal and through our, okay, God, I said, I was going to do it, but okay, I'll come back. I mean, he just, he never gives up on us. And it's easy to give up on people that's crazy <laughs> or that you think are crazy. No, not you. I was, I was going to say that you, cause you know, in moments when you're married, you like you crazy, no. you know, both parties, you know, she, she looking at me like you didn't lost your mind. I'm looking at her like, no, you crazy, you know, and, and then you're like, okay, I need to snap out of it. And it's easy to just give up on people, give up on people that don't fit into your box 
um, or the box that you've created in your head as you start to really understand what this marriage thing is all about mm -hmm. and what it really means. You know, it, it is, I think, I wish, I think, you know, we always say is we wish, and I'm not, I'm not even going to blame pastors. We wish that we would have known that before we get married at a high level, maybe heard it more uh, or maybe unpacked it a little bit greater with a counselor yeah. and all, you know, all these other things. Cause I just think, you know, marriage is a big decision yeah. by the grace of God. You know, he loved us through that first year and into where we are now and God is doing his thing and all of that. Yeah. And it's awesome. But, um, but the growing pains or, you know, the learning curve, if you will, um, was something that required a lot of grace and yeah. growth. So I think, I think it's everything. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's what our whole marriage book is about is the metaphor. Cause I felt the same way. So I was like, wait, 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 <laughs> this is the, hold on, hold on, this, hold on, hold on. this is the whole thing. It's the main thing. <laughs> But what you said, again, I want to highlight for our listeners who may be listening to what you guys are saying and they're feeling envy and they're feeling jealousy. Can we just pause? Can we pause that, guys? And what he yeah. said is to have someone who never gives up on you, even when you're crazy, which listeners, you know, some of us are straight up crazy. So for God, which Sam is not God, but he gets to represent that role, which whatever, we're not going to get into masculine feminine roles right now, but he is showing, and they're never giving up on each other. They're showing us how God never gives up on us. Yeah. So we can just wow. see that picture and not envy that picture, but go <gasps> look through that picture to God who never gives up on us. Mm, that's good. So here's Hallelujah. you guys. You're, you're two in one, right? And yeah. the body of Christ is many things in one. And according to John 17, that body of Christ is supposed to represent God three in one. He says, I want you to, Father, make them one like you and I are one. You are in me and I'm in them and may they be in us so that the world may know you sent me. So I'm highlighting that oneness of the body of Christ and you guys two in one to now look at the church again. And I want to talk to people who maybe have been engaging this race conversation for maybe the first time ever. And, but may also at the end of this week, be exhausted from it and say, well, it's not my calling. You know, I'm not, I'm not called. Can you talk to the many things in one that are supposed to rep God three in one? Can you talk to the body of Christ who are maybe feeling really tired? And maybe I'm, lo I'm looking specifically at my white siblings who are tired and are like, that's not my calling. Can you, can you talk to us, please? Wow. I think that, you know, as we talk about, you know, what it means to be a Jesus follower um, and what it means to actually live out the gospel and the kingdom and what is it all really about? Mm -hmm. You know, I think it often talks about in the gospel so much, you know, and, and like, can we just say the greatest commandment of, of you know, of, of, of them all, you know, when they ask Jesus, what is the, he said that you would love God, you would love others as, as yourself and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so, you know, I love that passage because in it, they say, well, who's my neighbor? Well, who's my neighbor? And it's the, it's, it's, it's the parable of the good Samaritan, right? And, uh, and, and we hear about uh, this 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 Jew that is on the ground and he has been beaten and he has been trampled and he has been this that and the third and boom 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 yeah and we see a priest walk by yeah and it says the you know the priest just he just look anyway and then we see a Levite walk by and and I love the pre I love the analogy of the priest and the Levite because the priest in the time represents you know the pastor right it's the pastor it's the greatest of them all right he he's the example and he passes. Um, the Jew. And then you have the Levite, the worship leader, right? <laughs> and, and he passes. And then says the Samaritan comes. And he picks him up, bandages, hotel, credit card, swipe, boom, boom, put it on my bill, I'm out, right? Let me, whatever he needs. This is a huge picture because Jesus is illustrating for us the idea of breaking down the walls. Well, you know, Jews and Samaritans didn't play together. It's actually a picture of racism, 
right? It's, 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 it's the thing that we actually have to get over to actually make this happen. When the world tells us to be a part, God is telling us uh, to take our history and pull it down, right? Uh, when people are telling us not to be together, the gospel compels us to be one, to your point. Um, and so I think, I think with, with all that being said, I don't think we get the luxury as believers mm. to forfeit the fight of racism or anything that is keeping us apart. It is, it is a gospel mandate. People say, well, just preach the gospel. That is the gospel. It is the gospel. And so I know we may be tired, but we don't, we don't get to get tired. I, and can I say this? This is going to be challenging. Okay. Ooh. Even as African-Americans, mm -hmm. we don't get to stop fighting for unity. Yeah. And that's a hard thing. And I would never, especially right now, look in the face of African-Americans and be like, well, you need to go in pursuit. Because I get it. You know, it's not, I think that there'll be, there'll be a time and a place in which we can have that conversation. Right now, emotions are high. People are tired. And it's like, no, you need to go first, right? Yeah. But if, if if we look at the biblical lens, you know, Jesus is, God, you know, he's telling us to go, to be the one to go first, right? Yeah. To, 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 to not wait on the other person, to turn the other cheek, all these other things. And, and, and I think if the church, and then I'm gonna let you, I think if the church as a whole, no matter what yeah. culture you are, would make a decision mm -hmm. no, to, to pursue um, brokenness and separation or, or, or anything keeping us away from me. If, if, if the church would make that decision that no matter what, I'm going to run after destroying these walls, um, we would have had this racism thing conquered a long time. Yeah, I would say my hope is that we would not isolate, isolate racism um, as this kind of stigma over there. I think we all need to get into our brains that if we are to demand equality, fairness, and love for our own sphere of influence in the world, we dang sure better be willing to demand it and stand for it for everybody else. Because when I think about my daughter and I think about sexism and majority dominant culture, She's got other fights of injustice that she's going to have to work through as well. And what we can't do is say, okay, well, we're weary about racism, so we're going to stop. Because when it is our time to fight for the very thing that's oppressing us and our sphere of influence, if it's not race, if it's sexism, ableism, religion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we want to be able to fight for it because it means something to us. Hmm. We belong to each other. Hmm. When our brothers and sisters hurt, we hurt. If my brother and sister that's white of a different nationality or a different belief does not belong, I don't belong either because our entire world inhabits and scoops up hatred and darkness and darkness has no choice. It has no lane. It inhabits, it does not isolate, it leaks. It creates and perpetuates more darkness. We have to fight for all of it mm. continually. Yeah. So good. Do you guys have one minute to just pray over us, just to pray into that, what you just said? That was church, so I feel really blessed. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> can you just pray a benediction so it sticks? No, I really, I'm hearing you, and I am embracing it, and I pray those who are listening that they uh, would receive these words and all this action that's happening and just rise up and partner with you. Yeah. So would you pray that? We need help. Hallelujah. God, we are going through a revolution right now in our country and in our world. What has started in America has now made it around the globe. Mm -hmm. And where it got, you are calling out racism everywhere right now. Mm -hmm. During this pandemic, it, it, it is almost a prophetic announcement to the world that racism's time is up. Mm. Yep. It's a prophetic announcement. And I, and I pray that we hear the cry. Mm. I pray that we hear the cry. God, we, we are reminded 
um, of Moses when you were calling him to go and deliver the people of Israel. And you said to him, can you hear the cry of my people? Mm. I am now calling you to go and set, to rescue them, to set the captive free, to, to deliver them. Yes. And I pray that we hear the cry of minorities, yes, of black and brown people yes, all around Jesus. our globe, the cry um, to rise above oppression, the cry of being tired, the cry of needing help. Mm. God, I pray that um, my white brothers and sisters would not hear the cry and become afraid, but hear the cry and become motivated Amen. to get into the struggle Mm. because we cannot do this alone. Mm. We love you and we praise you. And we are hopeful, Jesus, that with you and through unity, we can change this world and this country. Amen. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, guys, thank you so, so much. Just thank you. We love you. Thank you so much. Oh, man. Well, I was so blessed uh, by both Sam and Tony who had to step off uh, to go to another call. Um, But guys, I hope and pray that you're praying with us and that those words, that God of all hope, uh, that that what we were describing as far as the vision of oneness and unity yet already not yet that we would celebrate and step into both the pain and the hope of today and not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up escalation 6 9 so yes take a sabbath take take a day off uh but maybe do it with some black and brown friends too and just Let's learn how to both work together and be together, guys. Okay, so we do have a question of the week for next week, which actually is in episode 131. So y'all are going to have to wait for this one. Uh, But what is your go-to short prayer right now? I would love to hear that. So is there one that's kind of like your mantra, like help me? Or is it, God, I want to see hope or I want to see, I don't know. I just would like to hear some of those maybe breath prayers is what people call them. Uh, You can find me on the socials and when I post it, let me know (laughs) or just email me because there's times I forgot and then I, it's only me and Steve answering the question and our guest, which isn't terrible, but we love hearing from you guys. Uh, But guys, we love it when you help others find our show. So if you are willing to write a review, that would mean a lot. They drop the old five stars and write something. It it just, it really does mean a lot and helps people find us. But I want to, again, thank Sam and Tony. Go check out that book. Pre-order it. Go get it. A greater story. And for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week.